Welcome to the Arborist News audio podcast brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture. This audio version of the Arborist News CEU article is voiced by Paul Johnson, Urban Forestry Program Coordinator with Texas A&M Forest Service. This month's article is Part 2 of Tree Lightning Protection Systems by E. Thomas Smiley, A. William Graham Jr., and Scott Cullen. Objectives. Outline the considerations for inspecting a tree, site, and soil for installation of a TLPS. Describe various grounding electrode configurations. Summarize the above-ground design of a TLPS. In the October 2015 issue of Arborist News, we published an article describing the various forms of lightning discharges, summarizing the criteria for recommending trees for installation of tree lightning protection systems, TLPS, and highlighting the components of a TLPS. In this article, the authors discuss the planning and design of a TLPS. The design of a TLPS begins with an inspection. The inspection should cover three areas of concern, the site, the soil, and the tree. The arborist should inspect the site for hazards, including overhead and possible underground utilities. A major portion of the site assessment is selecting a location for the grounding electrode. Where presence of underground utilities, electric, gas, steam, telecommunications, CATV, storm, or sanitary sewer, Drainage, irrigation, or water, or other infrastructure is possible, they should be identified. When in doubt, and where required by call-before-you-dig laws or insurance provisions, utilities need to be located by an underground utility locator firm before a TLPS installation begins. Location of building foundations, surface water, and slope should be noted during the inspection since they will affect the location of the grounding electrode. Site usage should be considered when deciding on which type of grounding electrode to use and when considering the need for conductor protection. Sites with high occupancy rates during storms may benefit from crossing-type grounding electrodes. If the site has open access or is near a school or park, protecting the conductor from vandalism may be appropriate. The specifying arborist should inspect the soil area surrounding the tree. Soil properties affect the dissipation of a lightning strike, and direct which type of grounding electrode can be installed. The design of a grounding electrode is based on expected soil moisture, as indicated by soil texture and drainage, and the presence of rock, and to some degree, on-site usage. Moist soils are more conductive than dry soils. Sand, loamy sand, and gravelly soils tend to be excessively well-drained and are thus typically drier and less conductive than other soil textures. Depth to bedrock, to other impermeable layers, and to the water table affect how deeply the ground rod can or should be driven into the soil. Rocky soils and those that have shallow bedrock or ledge can hinder ground rod driving. Soils with shallow water tables tend to be easier to drive ground rods into and can readily dissipate electric current. Soil depth and rockiness can, in part, be determined using a soil auger or tile probes. The specifying arborist should ensure there are no significant tree defects that will cause an unacceptable risk to people or property in the immediate future or affect the TLPS installation crew. If the tree needs pruning or a support system, it is best to do this work before or in conjunction with the installation of a TLPS. The size and shape of the tree need to be considered in order to specify the materials and components required for installation. Key measurements include the height of the tree to determine the length of the primary conductor, branch spread to determine the number of branch conductors, and the branch lengths to determine the lengths of branch conductors. The route of the primary conductor should be chosen to follow the natural shape of the tree. 
the distribution of branches, and the location of the grounding electrode. The branch angles and location of codominant stems may affect fastener spacing. At the base of the tree, any evidence of lawnmower or string trimmer damage may indicate the need to protect the primary conductor near the soil line. The location of the grounding electrode and primary conductor should be considered together. The optimal route of the primary conductor will follow the natural shape of the tree and run straight down the trunk on the side of the tree toward the grounding electrode without unnecessary winding around the trunk or branches. The grounding electrode components include the ground conductor, ground rods and or plates, and their associated clamps or connectors. Since the current in a strike will spread out from any terminations, it needs to be located where damage will be minimized. The termination, ground rods, or ground plates of the grounding electrode should generally be more than 2 feet, 0.6 meters from a building's foundation and water pipes, more than 10 feet, 3 meters from electrical wires, communication cables, and gas pipes, away from rock ledges or impenetrable soil if possible, away from large roots, on the downhill side of the tree, into the water table when practical, not in a pond, stream, lake, river, or other body of water on the side of the tree away from a house or other structures. In a lightning strike, severe damage can occur to roots within 16 inches, 40 centimeters, of a ground rod. Because of this, ground rods should be installed at least 10 feet from the trunk of the protected tree and other trees. Ground plates should be installed at least 12 feet, 3.7 meters, from the trunk of the protected tree or other trees. For trees greater than 40 inches, 101.6 centimeters, dbh, the minimum distance from the trunk to the ground rod or plate should be three times the dbh. If the tree is surrounded by impenetrable materials, e.g. concrete or rock, it may be necessary to install the ground rod closer to the trunk. However, significant root damage is more likely to occur in the event of a strike. If the ground rod is located too close to the trunk, damage is likely to impact the health and stability of the tree, and the tree's appropriateness for TLPS installation should be questioned. Installing the ground conductor through or under hardscape, like sidewalks or walls using horizontal boring or other techniques, should be used when possible and necessary. Grounding electrode requirements in some provinces of Canada and some European countries differ from those described here. Specifying arborists should check local regulations. There are three basic types of TLPS grounding electrode terminations. The single ground rod, the multiple grounding rod, and horizontal grounding plate systems. Single ground rods are the most common type of grounding electrode termination and the simplest to install. In most soil types, single ground rods are used when soil depth is at least 9 feet meters, allowing an 8 foot meter ground rod to be installed with the top of the rod 1 foot meters below ground level. Table 1 provides guidelines for minimum grounding electrode hardware. Sand, loamy sand, and gravelly soils are less conductive than other soil types, so at least 16 feet meters, of ground rod may be advisable in these soils. However, a single 8-foot ground rod is sufficient when a more conductive soil or the water table is present within 8 feet of the surface. If there is sufficient sand, loamy sand, or gravelly soil depth, greater than 17 feet meters, and the water table is deep, a single ground rod 16 feet long can be constructed from two or more shorter ground rods that are coupled together using threaded connectors or compression fittings. Otherwise, a multiple grounding system should be installed as described in the following section. 
in rocky soil or other soils that are less than 9 feet deep and in locations where it is important to minimize the potential for step voltage, multiple grounding terminations are preferred over a single ground rod. Multiple ground rods can also be used in sand, loamy sand, or gravelly soils requiring 16 feet of total ground rod length. In some cases, the design may call for a single ground rod, but rocky soil limits the depth that the ground rod can be driven, requiring multiple ground rods or a grounding plate. When soils are less than 3 feet to rock, a better alternative is the installation of a grounding plate instead of the ground rod. Rocks are often less of a problem with a shallower installation of ground plates. In rocky soils where ground rods cannot be driven at least 2 feet below the bottom of the rod pit, soil depth is less than 3 feet, a horizontal grounding plate system is preferred. There are three common configurations or types of multiple ground rod systems. Inline, Y or forked, and crossing. These configurations can be used with either ground rods or ground plates. An inline configuration is often used when a single ground rod system is specified, but the full length of the rod cannot be driven due to rock. In this case, the first rod is driven as far as possible, and the remaining section of the rod is cut off as low as possible. The trench is then lengthened a distance that is at least two times the depth from grade to the tip of the driven rod. For example, if the first ground rod is 4 feet, 1.2 meters long, and the top of the rod is 1 foot below grade, the trench should be lengthened 10 feet. Another ground rod pit is prepared and the remaining rod driven. This process is repeated as many times as necessary to install at least 8 feet of rod, 16 feet, in sand, loamy sand, or gravelly soil. When two plates or full length of 8-foot rods are installed, they should be at least 18 feet, 5.5 meters, from each other. A forked system configuration is used with ground rods when soil depth is known to be less than 9 feet and the required ground conductor length cannot be achieved within an inline configuration because of a physical obstruction such as a structure, paved area, or a property boundary. This system is installed by attaching a Y-crimp or clamp connector to the ground conductor. These connectors allow for two or three ground conductors to radiate from it. The total length of each conductor should be approximately equal. The ground conductor from the tree can continue through one side of the connector and another section of conductor is used as the other leg of the Y. Alternately, the conductor can continue through the center of the Y and the two other sections of conductor are used as the other legs of the Y. The location and angle of the Y can be varied so that the ground rods are each a minimum of 10 feet from the trunk and the rods are separated by a distance of at least twice the depth of the rod tips. The ground rods must be at least 18 feet from each other in sand, loamy sand, or gravelly soils. The total length of the ground rods must be at least 16 feet in sandy, sandy loam, or gravelly soils, or 8 feet in other soil textures. If the minimum total ground rod length cannot be achieved with two or three ground rods, one or more of the legs can be extended in an inline configuration or terminated with ground plates. A crossing configuration is used where it may be desirable to provide the greatest reduction in step voltage possible. Such cases may include large trees and high-use children's playgrounds, in high lightning strike areas, and areas where people might congregate in a storm, e.g., golf courses, or other outdoor recreation areas. The crossing configuration consists of one ground conductor that is 25 to 35 feet, 7.6 to 10.7 meters long, 
that is crossed and connected about 15 to 20 feet, 4.6 to 6.1 meters, from the trunk by a second 50-foot, 15.2 meter long conductor. The two conductors should cross at close to 90 degrees. The second conductor should be connected at its midpoint to the first, about 25 feet or 7.6 meters from the ends of the second conductor. Each of these three conductors is terminated with ground rods. The conductor trench should slope from the 8-inch, 20-centimeter depth near the trunk to a depth below the frost line or no less than 18 inches, 46 centimeters. Horizontal grounding systems utilize longer ground conductors and are terminated with a grounding plate or plates, rather than a grounding rod or rods. They are used in shallow soil, such as where ground rods cannot be driven at least 2 feet below the bottom of the rod pit. Soil depth is less than 3 feet. Since these systems do not have the advantage of a deeper ground rod, in sand, loamy sand, or gravelly soil, the ground conductor should be at least 24 feet, 7.3 meters long. In all other soils, the ground conductor should be at least 12 feet long. When multiple plates are installed, they should be at least 18 feet from each other. To facilitate inspections and maintenance of the connection between the ground conductor and the ground rod, a ground access box, such as those used for irrigation systems, may be installed over the top of the grounding rod. If desired, a lightning strike indicator fuse may also be installed on the ground conductor in the ground access box. The air terminal is installed at the top of the TLPS. Its purpose is to intercept and attach the lightning strike. The air terminal location determines the starting point for installation of each conductor. In a single conductor system, the air terminal is located near the center and top of the tree. Air terminals should be installed as high as practical in the tree and high enough so that no significant branches or sections of trunk are above the air terminal. Any branches above the terminal may be damaged by a strike. Air terminals are usually attached to branches 1 to 2.5 inches, 2.5 to 6.4 centimeters in diameter near the top or outside edge of the crown. On horizontal or angled branches, the air terminal should be installed in an upward-facing direction on the side or top of the branch. Branch conductor air terminals should also be located as high in the crown as is practical, where they are more likely to intercept a strike and reduce risk of damage to branches. All major branches should be within 35 feet, 10.7 meters, of a conductor or air terminal. When the tree drip line radius exceeds 35 feet, installation of branch air terminals and conductors is recommended. A primary conductor directly connects an air terminal to the grounding electrode. Only one primary conductor is required, even if the tree has a large diameter trunk. However, if desired, additional primary conductors may be installed. For example, if the tree is very widespreading, greater than 70 feet, 21.3 meters, additional branch or primary conductors should be installed. Conductors are attached to the tree with specially designed fasteners at intervals of 3 to 6 feet, 0.9 to 1.8 meters. On straight vertical installations, the fastener spacing can be 5 to 6 feet, 1.5 to 1.8 meters apart. At the base of branches, or if the conductor is installed on the side or bottom of branches, closer spacing may be needed to avoid sagging and branch contact. If more than one primary conductor is installed, they need to be bonded together with a bonding connector. The height of this bond is typically 9 to 15 feet, 2.7 to 4.6 meters above grade. Additional bonding may be installed at similar intervals when two or more primary conductors are close together, less than 2 feet, and nearly parallel. 
Each primary conductor is connected to a separate grounding electrode. The grounding electrodes may be bonded near the root flare, but not in a location that will interfere with future growth. If it is likely that the primary conductor will be subjected to mechanical damage near the ground by lawnmowers, string trimmers, or vandals, it should be protected. This can be done by running the primary conductor through a non-conductive conduit. The typical conduit used is a 1 half to 3 quarters inch, 13 to 19 millimeters, UV protected gray PVC electrical conduit. A long sweep elbow of matching conduit can be attached to the bottom of the conduit to protect the conductor where it enters the ground. For mower and string trimmer protection, the conduit only needs to be 2 to 3 feet, 0.6 to 0.9 meters above grade, and can usually be held in place by the soil. For protection against vandalism, the full length of the conduit, typically 10 feet, should be installed. The conduit may be painted if the client desires. Cable protectors are a split conduit and they are manufactured specifically to protect conductors. Some can be installed after the conductor has been fastened to the tree. They are available from lightning protection suppliers in various colors to match the tree bark. Branch conductors connect branch air terminals to the primary conductor rather than going directly to the grounding electrode. They are installed the same way as primary conductors. Branch conductors are connected to the primary conductor with side-by-side crimp-type or clamp-type connectors. Clamp-type connectors are preferred, especially if the connection must be made within 3 feet of the soil surface. If the branch and primary conductors are different diameters, side-by-side clamps specifically designed for those two diameters are used. Bonding is the process of creating a connection, bond, between an electrically conductive metallic object and a component of a TLPS. Bonding reduces the risk of side flash by equalizing the voltage between the object and the TLPS. Steel tree support system cables, permanent steel guy wires, and steel electrical conduits are examples of metal objects commonly found in trees that should be bonded to the TLPS. Bonding is accomplished by installing a piece of conductor between a primary or branch conductor and the metallic object to be bonded. Bronze, Bimetallic, lead-coated, and stainless steel clamp connectors are manufactured for this purpose. Galvanized steel tree support system cables should be bonded to a conductor, even though horizontally installed cables do not attract lightning to the tree. Bonding is necessary because there is a higher likelihood of tree damage if a tree with a non-bonded steel support cable is struck. Although a tree's inner bark and cambium are most conductive, heartwood is also conductive. A steel lag or eye bolt can conduct an electrical current deeper into the tree, which may result in tree shattering. Plastic-coated wires, PVC conduit, light fixtures, cameras, and PVC irrigation pipes installed in trees may be susceptible to side flash. However, in most cases, it is not practical to bond these to the TLPS. Clients should be made aware of the potential for damage to electrical equipment within a protected tree. Thank you for listening to this month's Arborist News audio podcast. An online quiz worth one CEU is available now to current ISA members. This quiz will become available to non-members in December 2016. Visit the ISA web store and search for online quizzes for the most recent CEU opportunities. Arborist News is ISA's bi-monthly serial publication that provides readers with the latest in arboricultural news and education. This magazine is an ISA member benefit and offers opportunities for ISA credential holders to earn CEUs. Become a member today to start receiving Arborist News in your mailbox or inbox. That concludes this episode. Please check back for the next Arborist News audio.